Looking for a workout program? Lucky for you, I know exactly who you should go to. 18 Alpha Fitness. That's at 18 Alpha Fitness on Instagram or 18alphafitness.com. Kevin Edgerton, owner-operator, not only has he been through the selection courses as a Green Beret, he's also picked up a whole bunch of medical credentials. And then on top of that, he's been a coach within the Air Force Spec Warfare Pipeline. And I've seen the results, and the, uh, the results are good. Very successful. So Kevin is that perfect merger of experience, both as student and as cadre. And he brings that together with the science. And he's always learning as much as he can. Uh, we've had him on the podcast. He'll tell you all about it. Um, so the flexibility, the breathing, uh, the strength, the conditioning, and not only will Kevin tell you what to do, but if you follow Kevin, what you'll realize very, very quickly is that he still lives that lifestyle. He's got an old gray beard and uh, I'm still scared of him. So head on over to 18 Alpha Fitness, use your ones ready code, get your discount and, uh, let Kevin help you achieve your goals. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another Ones Ready podcast. You're in the team room here with it's just me, Trent, and Doc Greiser. So the guys thought that I needed a therapy session because I'm going off the deep end. So we decided to bring the doc in, uh, talk about all things, um, you know, ANS and everything else that she gets into uh, at her job. But she can describe it a lot better than uh, I can. Uh, doc, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me here. Uh, yeah, so I'm currently the senior operational psychologist at the Special Warfare Training Wing. I've been there since about August 2020. And before that, I was the embedded operational psych down at the 26 STS at the uh, Garden Vacation Spot. Yeah, so you Canada, must have had a, you know, no, almost no work there because everybody at Canon is, is super happy and psyched to be there and no, no issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a cakewalk. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, that location has its own yeah. challenges, but I, mean, that's, I think that's, overall it was you know, a great place. I don't know how many times we have to say it, but everybody in the Air Force knows it. They've been told a million times, uh, your location is what you make of it. Uh, and I, I guess I'm a senior NCO now because I just regurgitate all these things that people used to say to me. Like, oh, it's what you make of it. And now I actually believe all this stuff. Um, Doc, how, how do you get to be a senior uh, psychologist, operational psychologist in the Air Force? And then how do you get into the special warfare uh, realm after that? Yeah, so I think that speaking to psychologists that are interested in pursuing that career path, it really depends on making connections and showing competence and capability in your primary AFSC, and then um, showing interest in doing more of the human performance operational type applications of behavioral science. Uh, that, that's pretty much There's it. There's no tips secret and tricks, formula. right? Secrets and everything because everybody's holding everything back. Um, <laughs> how, how did you get into special warfare? I mean, because it's, it's a pretty niche market, I would guess? Uh, is it just something that you uh, you wanted to do or something that just kind of fell in Yeah, your a little of column A and a little of column B. So my background is actually in health psychology, which looks at how, you know, your thought processes and your health behaviors impact your overall functioning and performance. So it marries very well with human performance optimization, which is most of my job now. Uh, several years ago, I want to say in between 2012 and 2014, 15, I was at Bulford Hall working in the health psych program there, and I somehow got linked in with what was then the combat control schoolhouse to work on some of their stress inoculation training. Um, that was through networking with another psych who was doing the work, and they needed a helping hand, and I was there and eager and willing to do that. Uh, and from there, it just grew. Then when the psych position opened up at Canon, I was given there a it is, call. just taking opportunities when they come and, and then jumping in feet first. Uh, okay. Yeah. So- 
yeah. your your position down in the special warfare training wing, we have a few different courses down here, Lackland local. We have the prep course, the ANS course, and then the pre-dive course, I think are the, the ones that everybody thinks of. And the, uh, the TACP apprentice course, um, which ones are you, mm-hmm. are you most involved with right now? So most of my time is spent supporting assessment and selection. And then when I'm not supporting that, I am either uh, kind of collaborating with and managing the psych efforts across the wing. We have multiple psychs that are embedded with us um, or I'm supporting the TACP pipeline and and supporting any wing initiatives that are going on. So it's a a busy and a very uh, multifaceted job. I mean, the TACPs are all just crazy anyway, right? Can you just like write them off and be like, these dudes, okay, they're they're different. (laughs) They're like, we're like all different. And then they're like different, different. And they're just like, you guys go. No. Right. Everybody has Are you their allowed own to say crazy? It's, it's, crazy, it's, right? it's yeah. funny because like we were talking before we started and I knew your your predecessor and everybody's like, oh, like psychologists don't say words like crazy or that, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, I just find it refreshing how often you guys talk about at least the, the folks at the special warfare training wing is just open and honest about everything and, and kind of making jokes that sometimes. But also like when it comes down to the job, I, I think people are are would like to know, at least I would like to know, like what what are you looking for? Like, what is your role with the students? Uh, because with the new ANS, we get a lot of questions about, you know, what, what are the standards? And we're like, well, like there's, there's like physical things you have to do. And then there's also psych docs there. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And we're like, I don't know. I don't know. What they, what, what do they do? So like, I don't know, like, is there like a, a process that you go through with the students that, that kind of determines whether or not they're, they're going to make it? Um, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give away the secret sauce, right? But psychs are very involved in the entire assessment and selection process from the beginning to the end. So all of our candidates, as pretty much as soon as they enter what used to be called the prep course, now it's called SWIC, they'll do a battery of psych testing and they'll fill out a lot of background information. The psychs look over all of that material and then candidates that make it to assessment and selection start off ANS during phase zero with um, several days of psych interviews. Each candidate only goes to one psych interview. They're not doing psych interviews day after day after day. But because there are so many and we have a limited number of psychs, we just have to take up a few days to do that. Um, From that, we make hypotheses about the candidate's goodness of fit and ability to uh, succeed in the pipeline, eventually in the operational units. And that's really what we look for when we're there observing events. Um, We're looking at, you know, all of those behaviors that are tied to the attributes that I know that we've talked about, right, that you guys have talked about on the podcast before. We're looking for those same kinds of things, those non-technical qualities that might make a good person and a good holistic um, all-around operator. And then at the end of assessment and selection, we advise the hiring authority on our recommendation. And, and that's where it goes from there. Right. But we're just I mean, one I mean, tiny piece of the puzzle. I think man. With people out there are like, oh, the sites are involved. Like, I, I think there's 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 understanding. So we, we stole a little bit of the assessment selection uh, model uh, from like the tier one units. But as a as a, mm-hmm. a, a candidate comes in and yeah. they're 18 years old, what's what's the, the difference there between, you know, if I if I go up uh, to the other side of the, the fence, you know, and I, I'm an older operator, I'm experienced. They're looking to see if I'm good at my job. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's obviously a, a psyche valve there. But like we're looking at, you know, 20s, 30s, older folks that are kind of a known quantity. What's the difference between looking at a, a 
an 18 year old off the street Mm -hmm. versus uh, an older operator. Yeah. Those older operators, they're definitely going to have more cemented skills and techniques and ways of demonstrating their capability. And we totally understand that in the younger candidates, they're still so fresh, right? Um, They haven't had that time to mature and really practice and get reps in some of the skills, but I think that we're, we're doing a really good job yet of finding behavioral markers of the attributes that we want to see. And those are definitely present in some of these younger candidates. Every single assessment and selection, I am, I am wowed and amazed by the presentation that these candidates bring forth. It's, it's encouraging and uh, it's heartening for me as a psychologist to see the kind of product that's entering this pipeline. Now, for some of those, um, the younger candidates, you know, that may be listening right now, maybe they're in, they're on a sports team or they're doing extracurriculars or they're pursuing academics in high school or college. Um, The kinds of attributes that we look for are the kinds of things that will make you successful in those areas also. So are you a good teammate? Can you um, engage in delayed gratification? So for the good of the team, right? Like putting other tasks or pursuits before your own selfish or or self-centered pursuits? Are you able to communicate well with other people on your team, especially under times of high stress or adversity? These are all the kinds of things that, you know, as psychs, we keep an eye out for, um, not only for the people that rise to the top, but also for the candidates that might not be able to handle that kind of stress. Well, I'm glad you said reps, because if you say reps, then I'm assuming that if you're deficient in some of these skill sets, these, these psychological skill sets, then you can build these, right? Cause we're talking about people that their brains aren't even formed yet, but like, I, yeah. I think there's an idea, at least maybe I'm just the only dumb person out there. That's like, Hey, if I get removed from, from ANS for psych, or if I don't get picked up, like, how do I get picked up the next time when I come back in 24 months? Like, how do I get those reps in? Yeah, that, that's a really great point that you bring up. And it's actually something that as a program, assessment has, and selection has evolved to incorporate. You know, we're constantly leaning forward, forward as a program and looking for ways to be better and more effective and more uh, powerful in terms of bringing on the right people. One of the things that we do now is everybody that makes it to the end of assessment and selection, whether they get picked up or not, they're going to get pro dev feedback from a team. So a cadre and a psych sit together in a room with the candidate in front of them. And we'll tell you, here's how you performed. Here's what you were really good at. Here's where you're not so good. Um, And even for the folks that get picked up, we give them some of that uh, critical growth focused feedback of here are the things that you need to keep focusing on just because you made it to the end of assessment selection, you really just got a ticket to ride the pipeline. You know, you're not, you're not done yet. And for the students or the candidates that don't get picked up, it's important too, that we tell them, Hey, if you're interested in coming back and reassessing, which is for most folks, a very uh, high probability that they're going to do that. And they want to do that. Here are some specific things that you can start to work on. Maybe it's your critical thinking. Maybe you need to engage in more um, intentional problem-solving type things so that your thought processes get faster. Or maybe you need to work on managing your frustration with your teammates and how you communicate that uh, during times of high stress or high pressure. But we'll we'll tell candidates, you know, what they can do to work on to come back and really yeah. put their best. No, foot I, I, I'm, I'm just time. I'm going down memory lane in my brain uh, as an instructor before we had like all the the psychs on board. And I remember watching 
um, candidates during high stress start to get real frustrated and start yelling at each other. And I remember in one instance, uh, another cadre member like wanted mm-hmm. to step in and I was like, don't, don't you want to see where this goes? Don't you want to see like who, who is the person that steps forward that, that makes the team actually accomplish the mission, like helps everybody, brings them all back together, gets past the frustration and, and accomplishes the mission. Cause it, that's really what we're looking for, right? Is, 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 is recognizing when things are going wrong and then recognizing what's helpful and what's not helpful and being the person that can get everybody moving in the right direction. Um, I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah. You're spot on. And during assessment and selection, the candidates get plenty of right. opportunities. As, to as you're sitting there with a, with a, a psych doc and a, a cadre member, yeah. um, were you all ever like off in the beginning when you first started doing this and have you gotten closer or did you find like from the very beginning that uh, your assessment and the cadre uh, assessments generally are, are pretty close? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do find that they line up, right? We look at things through different lenses, but the, the sight picture of what we're looking at is, is the same object. And so we'll come at it through different avenues of approach, but we usually see the same kinds of things. Every once in a while, um, just because of the depth of data that site captures, we might pull out some things that um, the cadre didn't get a chance to see or observe. But that's that's usually pretty rare. Usually what we see shows up in right. what the cadre sees. Okay, so there's, well not, there's nothing magical happening in the background. Mm-hmm. It's, it's When we tell people, be a good person, work hard, you know, manage your, your stress and all these other things, it's... It's, I don't know. I, I think we, we kind of make a big deal at ANS and I, I just don't think it's as complicated as, as maybe it seems from the outside, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's You're giving it away. But yeah, it's like not. one of the things <laughs> I saw a lot when I was down at the, uh, the prep or the SWIT course was candidates would show up and they have built this pipeline and this assessment up in their head so much and made it like this monster. And it's like, guys, like whether it's a monster or an elephant, right? Like how, uh, all the stories we tell, like all the things we tell candidates, like one bite at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. And so like, I think taking a little bit of uh, crazy or, or, you know, shine off the assessment selection course, like it's, it's hard. It's going to be hard, but like, we're still looking for the same people that we were looking for 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Yeah. Now we just have a more robust way of pulling out all the data points. I'm really glad that you brought up the prep course SWIC, uh, because one of the other initiatives that psych has done over the past couple of years is embed a psychologist specifically there. And we are now part of the course instruction. So there's a psych that will teach you about the attributes that we look for. Um, so that you start to, so the candidates start to know the language, um, and they start to get those reps. They start to get practice in, okay, how do I take my internal self and, and show these kinds of things that the community values? Right. So Not I think spotlight ranges, just being the type of person we're looking for, right? Can I ask about a, a, a word we hear yeah. a lot? Yeah. At least I heard a lot, and it, it's grit. What What is grit? Because everybody wants to say it. Like, it's out there beyond special mm-hmm. warfare. Everybody talks about it. And everybody's like, we need people that have grit and all these other things. Like, but is it, what is it? And is it actually measurable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think about grit, there are a lot of notions that play into that perseverance, hardiness, um, resilience, which I think is such an overused word, but it's, it's a valuable word because a lot of people hear it, but really it's that ability to weather a challenge and, and bounce back or not just bounce back to where you were, but even grow from it. I once had a mentor, another operational psychologist who said pain plus reflection equals growth. And it's such a simplistic formula, but it's so pithy because it, you can really unpack that. 
you know, the pain piece, you have to be willing to put yourself into uncomfortable situa- situations and not shy away from that. It doesn't mean be a masochist and be foolhardy and take unnecessary risks to, to prove yourself. It just means that when things are difficult and uncomfortable, lean into it. Don't have that response or that reaction of backing away. Then the second part of the formula reflection means that you have to have and cultivate that level of insight to really sit down and hold the mirror up to yourself and critically evaluate how you handled the experience of that discomfort or that pain. What were the things you did right? What were the things you did wrong? Sometimes that reflection can even involve asking a mentor or a peer or a friend for feedback and saying, hey, from your eyes, how did I handle this? What could I have done better? And that's where you really get to the output of the formula, which is the growth. And when I hear grit or I hear people talk about grit or I ask or people ask, you know, what does it look like when somebody has grit? I would say that they're engaging in that formula. They're encountering discomfort. They're engaging in reflection. And then that's what results in. I've never heard it put like that. You know, and and, and one of the things we talk about all of us older guys is it's difficult to take your, your career and your deployments and all the bad things that have happened and explain why you feel like you're such a better person on the back end of that. You know what I mean? Like, and people are like, well, you did like these, these things and all these bad things happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but like, as you, as you get older and, and you go through these things and you do sit back and you reflect about it and you see where you made all your mistakes and you grow, like you don't want to take like all those, those, those bad things and say like, well, this was, this was really good for me. You know, like, how do you explain that to people? Like all these bad things that happen are really good for me. But I think in the training environment, it's, it's definitely there. Um, what would you recommend for the the reflection piece in, in particular? Because the students are busy. We're constantly distracted by, um, you know, everything in this world right now. Now, uh, how do you, how do you get to that reflection? Cause I think the pain's easy. We bring the pain to them, to their doorstep. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do they get to the reflection piece? <laughs> yeah, you we give do. them ample opportunities to experience discomfort, no doubt. Uh, I think that within the pipeline, one of the one of the ways that we've leaned forward is we've incorporated self assessments and peer assessments in a structured fashion throughout every pipeline. So, PJ pipeline, combat control an SR, and then even the TACP pipeline, they have opportunities to rate themselves in a structured manner. And then a little while later, they'll do a peer rating where other people tell them kind of how they're doing on our eight attributes. So again, it's attribute anchored. And that's a great way for standardized reflection and growth. Um, We track that in a system called Smartabase, which you're probably familiar with, but it's a way that our students, once they enter the pipeline, um, can see all kinds of data about themselves. And this peer and self-rating is one of those pieces of data where they can see progress over time. So a student can look and say like, oh, I'm not doing so well at problem solving. They can work with their instructors. They can work with peers. They can work with the op psychs that are spread out through the wing. And we can help them figure out how to brush up on that attribute or how to strengthen it or uh, kind of reinforce it, you know, reinforce that structure. And then later when they do another self-assessment or they get the peer assessments, peer peer ratings, they can see if they've improved on it. Um, I think that that's a good way to, to no, put that no, reflection I, I agree. in. And, and, and I, you, you brought up something. I was talking to, to another doc on uh, Instagram the other day because I spent time on Instagram. But we were talking about like the younger students, and I think 
what y'all are doing and, and, and helping the students just identify and put into words some of these things that are happening is incredibly important because I've, I've sat in counseling sessions with students before where they, they dump data, dump a whole bunch of stuff on me. And then we have to sift through all that and, and try to distill it down to what's actually happening. So y'all coming in and saying like, this is what this is. And this is what this is when, when they approach a situation, they actually have that, like you said, that language to identify and then the, the tools to overcome it if they've put in the time. Yeah, man. And, and it builds a culture too, because the way that we develop these attributes in conjunction with Rand, we didn't come up with this stuff ourselves. Rand went out and spoke to the operators that are out in, in the gaining units, right? They're the training wings customer and they developed through discussions and focus groups and reviewing the literature, they developed this language that really captures what we're looking for. And since we're instilling it from the very beginning, when the, when the students enter SWIC or, or the prep course, it creates that common operating language. So then when these students graduate the pipeline and they get out into the operating units, the older hats are speaking the same language as them. And so when somebody is struggling or somebody is failing, or even if somebody is doing really well at something, you can pinpoint it and say, man, your right. communication skills are on point. Can you teach that to other people? Or uh, you're, you're really struggling in some of your teamwork applications. Well, and I think just getting what into the habit of that peer feedback that? too, as assessing yourself on that peer feedback, you know, as you become a supervisor and everything mm -hmm. else on the team, you know, that's just going to create a, a way more healthy environment uh, moving forward. Cause you think about the, the teams that you've been on that have been the best is, is everybody's comfortable with each other. Everybody understands their role, but they're also comfortable telling you when you're not pulling your weight, you know? And they have the, the, the language and the, the reps, just like everything else, mm -hmm. right? The reps to be able to do that. Um, I, I want to step off here for a second and, and give you uh, the opportunity to, I don't want to say complain, but in, enlighten us on the, the misconceptions. Jump right over to uh, what, what is it that everybody <laughs> thinks about your job that's, that's incorrect or slightly off? Oh, man. Uh, so much. So when I first got out to the 2-6, right, everybody's like, ah, oh, Doc's just here to tell us we're crazy or to pull us off of jump status or flying status or, uh, you know, docs are just here to judge all the time. And to be honest, if I were to engage in that kind of immediate judgment, my, I'd be completely ineffective at my job. Um, doing this kind of job really focuses on moving operators when I was at the two six and, and students and candidates and even permanent party faculty or staff for now, uh, moving them, to the end of the spectrum where they are maximizing their, their wellness, their readiness, their effectiveness as a human. Uh, you like to say that we make operators smarter, faster, deadlier, and you have to, you have to push people towards that end. It's really not so much working with um, the really severe issues, although we can do that too. Um, ideally we can work with people before things start to become a problem. So if your sleep is starting to get a little out of whack or you're starting to feel irritability in circumstances that you normally wouldn't, having a psych doc that's right there, you know, elbow to elbow with you right down the hall is the perfect application because you can, you know, have those hallway consults where you're like, doc, is this, is this weird? <laughs> this thing that's going on with me and I can help you fix it before it becomes a serious problem. Um, so I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Another big misconception is that there's no confidentiality with us when really there's a lot of confidentiality with psych docs. There are just some very limited conditions under which we have to, you know, raise the flag and say, 
hey, we might need to get some other entities looped into this. And, and you know, that's really under extreme circumstances, like you're, you're a risk to yourself or um, there's something super serious going on. I remember the first time I went soft psych doc way back and I walked into his office and, you know, like you you can feel those stuff, those things building up. I walked in, I'm like, doc, like I'm thinking about punching this dude in the face. And he's like, first of all, no, you're not. Sit down. Let's have a chit. You know what I mean? Like he was like, "Mm, don't, don't talk about like, but he understands (laughs) that like, that's just kind of how we talk. Like, I'm not actually going to go assault someone that outranks me probably. Right. Uh, but like, you know, I walked into his office cause you know, you, you feel those things building. Um, uh, and, and I liken it to, to every once in a while, like if my back goes crazy. All right. And so, sorry folks, we had a little technical thing, but like I was saying, um, the, the, the psych docs that I talk to, I, I just like medical docs, usually if I'm, if I'm not taking care of myself the correct way and I need, I need a, a boost back to normal. Uh, you know, that, that's usually what starts the conversation. And I found that the more times that I go there, just like with the medical docs, like if I'm going in there for my back every year and, 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 and drugs are required, like that's not the ideal solution. So like, as I've gotten older, it's, it's more of a consistent care thing instead of just abusing the doctors and like me just waiting until the wheels are about to fall off and like running into your office and being like, doc, like things are, things are bad right now. And I need you to fix me. Um, and I, and I think with the starting so young, Y'all are really going to do great things for these guys moving forward. Yeah. Ideally, we can teach our students and our candidates the skills to self-manage things that are really common that come up, like, you know, your circadian rhythm getting thrown off or um, having some increases in irritability or not feeling comfortable handling certain types of, you know, relationship communication things. If we can teach you those skills early, then it makes our job so much more efficient because now we can focus on moving you from good to awesome, not just trying to get you from meh to good. Is, is meh a, a, a technical term thrown around in the, yeah, the I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's in the DSM. Yeah. As a diagnosis. <laughs> meh. Okay. Well, and, and you, and you come up with the, the, the common problems thing. Like what are, what are some of the common problems that we see coming in the, the front door these days? And are they the same problems that we've had forever? Um, well, I haven't worked at the training wing with really young folks forever, so I'm not really sure, you know, how it's changed over time. You know, we get a lot of homesickness, um, motivation type concerns, at least from the students and candidates that present to our psych doc that's over at, at the SWIC, pro- uh, SWIC program. And those are totally normal things to have to struggle with in your 18 to 20 year old formative years that's fine. It's okay that you struggle with them because if you weren't struggling um, and, and seeking out help, you, it means that you wouldn't necessarily care about them. And we, we want you to care about addressing and, and fixing these concerns. Some of the things that we see in our candidates, that are a little bit older, definitely frustration with injury. Um, you know, everybody wants to be at the top of their game all the time, but that's not reality. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you have setbacks and we're there to help walk you through that mental space so that you don't start circling the drain of that frustration. Um, so we can help you get back to optimal functioning as soon as possible. When I was at the two six with some of our older operators, uh, a lot of it was relationship stuff, managing the ops tempo and, and balancing family demands, Sometimes it was talking through some of the gnarly stuff that they had seen or done, uh, which is 
totally normal to want to talk through those things. And it's good that they did. Um, sometimes I wish they'd talk about them a little bit sooner rather than waiting until the very end of their careers when they felt like it was okay to talk about. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of us have gone through stuff like that. And and I think, mm-hmm. you know, based on my understanding, like I have a, a toolbox and I'm, I'm pretty good at using those tools in certain situations. And when you're on team and you're always like in the honeymoon phase or the leaving phase, and those tools don't necessarily come into play as much because your relationship is just sh- so short lived most of the time, or you're away and you, you develop all these tools overseas to solve those problems. I think there comes a time in your career when maybe we should sit folks down and be like, okay, like you're going to be home now. Things are going to be different. Like, and, and you, you need some more tools because you can't, you can't use a sledgehammer for everything. <laughs> I really like that analogy that you brought up and it's true. You need to diversify your tool set because you're not going to build a very good house. If you just use a sledgehammer for everything, sometimes you little, need a little bit more nuance. Um, you bring up, you know, sitting with somebody and saying, okay, how do we make that transition now from using one set of tools to the next? And I'm not sure if you had this with your docs when you were, you were up at the two, two. Yeah. I was at the two, three was my last. Okay. STS. All right. Yeah. So, so down at the two, three, one of the things that psych docs commonly do is when the teams are coming back from deployment, we do a deployment debrief with every single one of them and we'll sit down and say, okay, what was your experience like? Here's some common things that you can expect as you transition back to home and home life. And how are we going to work through those? Right. Yeah. And I always bring up how old I am, I guess, because I'm always like, I remember my first deployment, I came back and and people are probably tired of me talking about it, but it was basically a high five, go back to your apartment and sit there for two weeks. You enjoy your CTO. So like we've, we've come a really long way, but I I don't know personally, as I've I've gone through my career, like you said, the first time a, a psych doc shows up at the unit, everybody's like, what what's happening here? I don't want to go talk to that person. I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't have feelings. I'm a, you know, but uh, I don't, I don't think that's what we're doing. Cause you, you talked about earlier about making people more lethal. And so like, there is a, a battlefield application to what you're doing. Yeah. 100%. And and maybe that's um, a subset of the off-site skills that I neglected to bring up before, but we do get training in how to assist some of these more specialized activities that the operational missions take on. And so we can really partner with the instructors or the team leads that are doing um, FMPs, right? So full mission profiles, or they're doing just different kinds of trainings. And we can advise on how to make those more realistic, more effective, um, how to up the stress in ways that aren't necessarily physical so that the teams that are doing the training really get to feel what's going on. Uh, It's inoculation, right? You need to practice how you play. And there are certain things that we can't replicate stateside, but there are a lot of ways that we can help make those trainings more effective. Right. Right. No, no. And I think it's important for people to understand is, 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 the, the better you handle these situations, both overseas and at home or whatever you're doing, the, the quicker you can turn, the more efficient you're going to be. And that, that's good for everybody. Like the, the goal is to make the team as efficient as possible and as deadly or, or whatever as possible. So, uh, I, I, you know, for me, that's one of the misconceptions from a site because it's all like, you know, you come home, talk about your feelings, what happened. You know, like that's that's everybody's first impression. That's my first impression. Uh, but it's never like they can make me way better at my job or help me be better at my job and get out of my own way a little bit so that I can go overseas and, and be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So for sure. Let's talk about the students again. I know I'm bouncing around. So if I was <laughs> at ANS, they'd be like, your, your thought process is not very linear. And I'm not sure that you're a select. Um, 
that I think for people out there understanding that the stress of basic training, a new environment, new people, uh, you're going to get sick, like the cortisol that, that comes along with that and all those other things. I think we, we, we poo poo it a little bit because air force basic training is not physically demanding for, for our candidates typically. Uh, but you are like, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's thrown your way. And so when they throw, show up at the, the SWIT course, and we don't understand why they can't physically perform the way that they said they did back home. I think there's, there's a lot of that stuff that we're just not uh, taking into play. I guess I'm just asking or tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not full time over at the SWIT course, but so I can't speak to things that are outside the psych lane. I do know that they have strength and conditioning coaches that'll go over and help the BMT students. Um, with some of their workouts, which I think is a good step in the right direction. Um, I also think that there are things that that potential recruits who are interested in this career field can start doing even before they come to BMT so that they have the skills on lockdown right before they have to use them. Um, if, if you wait until it's crisis time to use a skill, it's going to be too late. So things like you know, that, that stress management toolkit that might really help in BMT or even during SWIC when things are getting hot and heavy, um, learning how to control your breathing so that you can control your heart rate so that you can control the cortisol dump and everything else that comes with the fight of fight or flight response. That's crucial. Learning how to get really good at imagery so that, you know, when you are having to practice a skill or a task, just like in sports, right? Um, I ran cross country and track for years and years. And so, before every competition, I would imagine myself running the 100-meter hurdles in intense detail for probably a week and a half ahead of time, just practicing my performance up here so that when the real day happened, it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, and I think that our potential recruits can practice some of those skills too. No. Yeah, I'm with you. I remember when I first uh, got into like the debt program, you know, when a young, young Trent Segmiller uh, I, when I was doing push-ups at night, when I was getting ready for for Air Force BMT, I would imagine some some dude standing over me yelling at me. Yeah, you know, I'd imagine people getting in you know, all the things you see in the movie, getting up in your face and and spit and all that other stuff. And I, I'm not sure how much it helped, but I definitely, you know, like when you when you're approached with a situation, and 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 I know that visualization is not the same thing as the you know the real event, but it has to help. Like I've mm -hmm. I've been a fairly successful person. I'm not that smart and I'm not that capable but I do visualize things over and over and over again, almost ad nauseum uh, to, you know, to be as, as prepared as possible. Yeah. We can talk about your negative self-talk a little bit later, but uh, <laughs> we'll work so on that I after do. the cameras are rolling. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Good approach. Make it as realistic as possible. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the, 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 the things I'd written down. Um, how much fear or anxiety or trepidation is, is normal for a student? You know, cause I think, I, I talked to a lot of students at the, the prep course and as they were moving into ANS and they would be like this idea that just because they couldn't see fear in the other candidates, that it was unique to them. Um, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, it, it's not unique. I think everybody has their own level of anxiety and discomfort with what's about to happen to them because very few of those candidates know exactly what's going to get thrown their way. But that's intentional, right? We need to we need to knock the candidates on their back foot a little bit to see how they can react and respond um, to those kinds of stressors or challenges. I think that if 
you're thinking that you're feeling it worse than everybody else, it's, it's probably, you know, just what you see, you know, that's through your lens. There might be somebody to the left or right of you that is thinking the exact same thing. I think that's why forming peer networks and finding a trusted person that, you know, whether that's another candidate, um, that you can kind of throw these ideas back and forth with can be really helpful because it'll normalize that experience. Right. Yeah, I know. I know there's, there's a lot of things that all the, the older guys talk about, you know, I, I look at other people and instead of being like, they're not scared, I think if they're going to make it, I'm going to make it, you know, like, how is this person on, on the positive self-talk side? I'm, I'm sorry mm -hmm. with my other stuff. You know, <laughs> if that person is capable of making it, then I can make it. Um, and, and as opposed to like a lot of these students will look at other people and be like, if, if that's the, the candidate that they're going to choose and, and, and candidates have a, a, a bad habit of assuming that they know who's going to get picked up at ANS. Mm -hmm. And then they did this, the comparative stuff is, is just toxic. It seems to me. And, and maybe I think you guys have fixed a lot of that stuff since I've been gone. So like, I'm probably just talking about stuff that you guys already fixed and it is no longer an issue for the candidates. Yeah, it's, it's true though. If somebody is prone to getting wrapped around the axle in their own head, then uh, SWIC and especially ANS is an environment that's ripe for that to get out of control. So if you know that about yourself and, and you know that you tend to start engaging in those thought patterns to the point that it leads to being disruptive or unproductive, start working on that ahead of time before you get through our doors. Uh, and there are lots of ways that you can do that. You know, the, um, the special worker training wing Insta site and the website those often contain, you know, tips and tricks for preparing yourself for the challenges that you're going to see when you get to us. Are, are, are you on the, the Instagram site? Cause I, I think that there should be like a, a, a psych Monday message or something every <laughs> week, because what, the reason I say that is, is we do the, the podcast and we have the Instagram and everything like that. The, one of the more uh, frustrating things is people want very specific advice for very, you know, cause we're talking about reps and we're talking about practicing these things and I know there's somebody out there being like, but what exactly should I be doing? Mm -hmm. And so I think if we had like a Monday message, you know, from you so that they know it's from you, I'm not telling you what to do, obviously. <laughs> Thanks for tasking me. I like that. It's, it's, it, that's an asker. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I can't task anybody. Um, anyway, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there because we are going to get the questions like, no, like what, what is she talking about? Like what specifically should I be doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, you know, there are a lot of, I think I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, there's a human performance resource center page. I think it's HPRC. I'm trying to verify that on my phone. So, uh, just no worries. We can, we can just put it on the, uh, the YouTube description and on IG when we drop this. Yeah, perfect. It's hprc-online.org. Um, and that has all kinds of human performance tips and tricks. It's done uh, the website is hosted by the DOD, I think, the CHAMP, so Uniformed Services University. So it is military focused and it's across all branches. So it's relevant to everybody, but it has tips and tricks on nutrition for performance and different types of workouts that can be really effective. It also has a huge page on different mental strategies and techniques that you can use to make your toolkit as robust as it possibly can be. So uh, I like the Psych Monday. I might take you up on that, work with our PA shop to get that going. But in the meantime, the HPRC-online is an excellent resource for folks who are interested in really how to sharpen their spear in terms of military performance. Right. Right. And, I, and 
No, I, I, I love what, everything you're saying. I, sorry, I get excited about things. I'm an adopter. I, I like the whole psych thing. Um, and, and I think if, if I'm a, a, a 17 or 18 year old out there prepping to come into the pipeline, you should be integrating these things. I, I think nutrition and physical are, are easy things to get after. And you can see them on Instagram, you know, like all the shredded people on Instagram and all that stuff giving you advice. But I think if you don't, if you don't start thinking about these other things and, and, and spending time after your workout, thinking about how you got through it, what your, your, your barriers were and, and, and developing those tools to get better at that, then you're probably not setting yourself up for maximum success. You bring up a really good point. These mental skills are like muscles. Um, if you don't use them, you lose them and you need to start doing the practice early so that when you need them, they're strong and ready to go. Doc, you're, you're too good at answering questions. You're very concise. You're like a lawyer. And, and so like, I, I think I'm out of stuff. So I think the last thing would be uh, moving into the future. Oh, actually one, one last question. Uh, is special warfare different? Are, are, are our people actually crazy or are we just, we just think we are. <laughs> It takes a special kind of special to do this job. <laughs> See, that, that, that's where my negative self-talk comes from. Is the, the psych doc <laughs> telling me you ride? Um, as now, we move into the future, sorry. Uh, just to close that out, though, um, I think that one of the most rewarding experiences I've had professionally is working with this community because. Overall, and I'm not saying this just to stroke egos, you guys are smart, you're driven, and you're hungry to always be the best. It makes my job easy when folks are motivated like that, because then we can really partner together in making somebody the most well-rounded, best human being that they can possibly be. So if you guys are special in any way, I think that that, that would be the biggest takeaway. You got to be trainable and competitive, folks. Um, mm -hmm. As we move into the future, uh, I, I think it's awesome that you've had that that experience of the two six and also over here. Um, as if, if you were the boss over all things psych in the Air Force for a day, uh, moving forward, especially within special warfare, like where where are we going and and what how how far can we take this thing? Oh man, that's a fantastic question. I think that um, right now we're currently doing a good job of exposing our very young Air Force psychs to this kind of of world. There's an Air Force residency program at Lackland, so right there in San Antonio, and they have the opportunity to come and spend an entire month with the special warfare psych docs learning all about assessment and selection. Uh, and so I think that getting this into people's minds early, that this is a very fascinating and unique application of behavioral science so that if they want to pursue it in their career, they know about it early instead of finding out about it when they're five, 10 years into their into their work in the Air Force. Um, so I think that that's a really important thing, making sure that psychs know that it's not just all clinical work. Although if they want to do clinical work, that's fantastic. And and there's a huge appetite and a need for that too. But the demand signal is just growing for psychs that can do command consultation and executive coaching and the human performance stuff that we've been talking about. It's not it's not slowing down. That train's that train is full steam ahead. Right. So when you're going to start deploying with us, is that what I'm what I'm hearing? <laughs> I mean, I have a few times already. So I if I could have my way, everybody would. No, it's been a while for me, so I'm sure things are getting better all the time. Uh, you got anything else uh, for anybody else out there? Any final advice for the folks? No, this has been a really great opportunity. I just hope that uh, candidates who are interested or, or recruits who are interested in special warfare really take to heart the fact that 
being a well-rounded person is really what we're looking for. And there's so much of that that's within your scope of control. You can start practicing all of these skills early so that when you get to us, you can really put your best foot forward and knock it out of the park. For the folks that are already in the pipeline or that may even be permanent party out in the operational units, I hope that they came away with a better understanding of how psychs can team and pair with them to make them the most effective human being they possibly can be. Awesome. Perfect, Doc. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. This is Doc Reiser. Uh, for everybody else out there, train hard, and we'll catch you all next time. Later. Thanks.